Do you have a dream, a passion, a creative calling? And if so, what stands in your way? What are you willing to give up to pursue that dream? Quit your job, leave the country, give yourself permission to experiment, go all in and maybe even to fail? My guest for today's show has done it all and she found her creative path. Sweeties, sweet spotters and sweet people, how are you? What's happening? Are you looking for the sweet spot of your brand or your creative project? You've come to the right place. This is the Sweet Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Zeus, and today I talk to Sam Stokes, singer, songwriter and founder of the record label Lilac Records in L.A. We talk about her creative journey, what it means to follow your inner voice, what it means to be purpose-driven, even if that means to leave all securities behind. We of course talk about her latest projects, the recently founded Lilac Records, a label for music production, but also other creative expressions such as poetry or art. Sam's mission with her label is to capture a record of a moment in time. What that means and how she does it, you're about to find out in this episode. Sam has a fascinating creative hero's journey and she's a great inspiration for all artists, creatives and entrepreneurs listening. So please enjoy my talk to Sam Stokes. Welcome to The Sweet Side. This is The Sweet Spot Podcast with Mark Zeus, investigating entrepreneurship, purpose, and the creative life. Sweet people, it's a pleasure to introduce to you Sam Stokes, my dear friend. We met in Karlsruhe, Germany, actually, seven years ago. We will come to this story. And now we're actually talking between Hamburg and Los Angeles. Hey, Sam. Hi, Mark. How are you? All good? I'm very well. Thanks for having me uh, on the uh, show. Sam, if I think about the first time we ever met, because... If we get back together for an interview like this, I always have to remember the first time we ever met. And I think it's seven years ago now when I was working wow. back then in an, a creative agency in Germany. And one day you walked in into the uh, creative team room and you were just like, hey, I'm Sam. I work here now. And it was very... I remember. Yeah. I think we had some kind of creative connection from the from the get-go. But I was like, yeah. what is this American girl doing in this small town agency in Germany. <laughs> Do you remember oh that day? God. I I I absolutely remember that day. And I was like, what is this creative genius doing in this small town agency? I was like, no, literally, like you stuck out so much from that place. And I was like, <laughs> why? Why is he here? Like, and then I was like, why am I here? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. you know what? The thing I, I found most impressive, and that's like the first big turning point or the first lesson I, I learned from you as a friend, I think you lasted for about two weeks. And then your yeah. inner urge, your flames were rising so high and you had this this impulse of, you know what, guys, it's kind of nice here, but I'm going to quit this. And you actually lasted two weeks in this agency and then you quit, right? <laughs> It was crazy. And it was a big turning point in 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 my own journey as well, because I was trying to just part of me going to that place was I was really fascinated to work 
there and experienced that. But then I was also just trying to get out of a, a different place. So I was getting as quickly as possible and I got there. And then I was like, I remember literally sitting at my desk one day and I was like, this is not going to be a 40 hour work week or whatever. Mm -hmm. This is going to be stay here until it's finished. And I was like, well, what do I do if I have band practice? What do I do yeah. if I have a show? I was exactly. like, they're not going to let me out. <laughs> and I was like, and, and then the other side of me was like, and there's someone who probably is killing to have this job and I'm not. So I was in the middle of like releasing my first album with the band that I had in Germany, which you helped me work on the cover art for. And, um, and I remember after two weeks, I was just like, I, I'm not called to do this. And I was like, okay, I, I still wasn't in a place to like fully follow, follow the whole artist journey, but I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I was like, and so I remember actually, I literally walked into our boss's office yeah. uh, after being yep. there two weeks I and remember. they were so <laughs> nice. And I'm sure there was a lot of conversation about it afterwards, but I literally brought in the cover art and some of my music. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was just like, I have to tell you, I think I'm being called to do this. And yeah. I, I will not be a good employee if, if I, I'm constantly going to be thinking about lyrics and going to band rehearsal and, you know, figuring things out. And I was like, I'm really sorry. I have to do this. And honestly, to their credit, and this still sticks with me today, it looked at me and they said, if we could do what you do, we would do it. Hell yeah. And it was so like, it was so honest, but it was like so emotional. We were so connected. And I was like, thank you so much for understanding. And like, I felt terrible. You know, I was like, this mm. is shitty. Two weeks. They got me business cards, the phone, totally everything set up. You know what I mean? And they're just like, Oh, I understand that this is like a, a process to bring someone in and train them. 100%. And this is really dumb, but to experience their, I guess, honesty and acceptance was like such a like nice human moment, you know? Totally. So there's like two actual, situations or two thoughts i have about this because both of them stuck with me so well if anyone else would have quit after two weeks of course they would be talking but after you quit everyone was just like yeah we get it well she's a musician she's well, an artist so there was never any bad blood really or whatever they were we all just like okay now well let's do it on air <laughs> wow okay, so yeah i, I, I was i, I was kind of close it. with the guys back then and 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 even after and we talked about it and i think you you um told me before you even quit that you're gonna leave and they were just like we get it i mean she's great but she doesn't belong here so th wow. this this point of honesty and also the yeah. the the way you cancel is was with very much respect and very much honesty. And I think that was very good. And I think even for anyone listening, if you ever have to make a hard call like this, if you do as, as honestly yeah. as possible, there's a good chance people won't be mad at you because it was just so, hey, look yeah. at this. This is my first album and that's my baby. I'm so proud of it. I have to leave. And everyone was just yeah. like, okay, I get it. Yeah. So that's like the first thing that stuck with me. And besides us staying in touch and everything else. Um, the other thing that really made me see much more clearer is even on my own journey being, I mean, I loved mm. being in advertising and creative agencies and, but that's a, I don't want to call it a trap, but it's a thing that happens to a lot of creatives because working in an agency or a creative studio or something, it looks like it checks all the boxes, but you kind of forget that you're still a service provider. You do it for, 
whatever random brand and you have to obey the rules and the taste of the clients and it's not like really putting too much of your own creative effort in but it still checks all the boxes in terms of you have other creative people to work with you have a cool environment you can put your ideas and your feelings into it and it's just salary to an extent right exactly you know right yeah kind of to an extent to an extent yeah 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 so that's what really impressed me that you were like you had a creative environment and you even could have probably started producing advertising music and jingles or whatever but you were like no 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 no. i can still see clear and i can still feel out where i have to go but anyway enough about the the ad world so you left to pursue your dream that seven years ago how did it go what happened so it was an interesting transition so at the time i all i knew was like i was starting to feel out things and trust things, you know, and, and and a lot of that feeling was what took me away from San Diego, where I grew up even to Germany. Right. So it was like, something was like, okay, let's go to Europe. Let's explore. Let's break. Like something in me was telling me, even as a little kid, I was like, I know I'm going to live in Europe. Like I'm going to live, live there. Yeah. And, and I was like, I need to break out of the weird micro cosm way that Americans live. You know, I was like, there's different ways to live. And I wasn't exposed to any of that. So I, I was like, I already spoke a little Spanish, but I moved to Germany, learned German, um, you know, wanted to experience a totally different way of life and wanted to break my like singular thought process of like, Oh, the American lives the American way and does the American thing. It was like, no, I feel more called to like being a global citizen. So something called me to Germany, but then I remember it was around the time, to be honest, that you and I met, I, I brought out this first album. I was in this great band and I, and I loved every, we played shows. We did the whole thing, did some TV spots, did all that. But, um, I remember at one point being like, okay, something's not right. And I, and I just remember for like two years, honestly, two years in a lot of confusion, Hmm. a lot of pain, a lot of like, ah, I don't quite understand what I'm doing. And I remember feeling this very deep sense of like, even though I'm doing the artist thing now, it's like, if I continue on this journey for the next 50 years, and I remember walking the streets of like the city park there in Kalaskwa. Yeah. And I was like, if I continue on this path, I'm going to be very sad in 50 years. I was like, I'm going to... I felt my soul literally getting smaller and I was like, I, I'm going to become a sad, bitter woman who is upset with not having had the courage to do the things that I feel like my soul is wanting to do. Right. So, and, and what was mm-hmm. that before you quit or right after you quit that? So that was after actually. So, yeah. so there was a lot of things of like, you know, I didn't really trust the inner voice. I didn't really quite understand the, um, how all of that kind of worked together, to be honest. So it was like, okay, how am I piecing this all together? And, and you're trying to trust this thing, but I didn't really have a clear sense of like, um, like an actual voice. And I didn't really have either, you know, a mentor that understood, I think all of the complexities of all of those different layers. So you're kind of like, you're like, okay, where do you, how do you, how do you piece this all together? And I actually remember very distinctly, I, I was 
trying to figure out, okay, where do I go to work? What do I do? How do I, how do I shift to more of the artist lifestyle? And growing up in San Diego, to be honest, we hate LA. <laughs> like <laughs> everyone in San Diego, it's like Schwabish Badish, you know, like a little bit, but like, like, in a like San Diego's like LA is blocking us geographically yeah. from the rest of beautiful California. Like right. get, like people will wake up at four in the morning in San Diego to drive through LA as fast as possible to get to the rest of like, right. they'll sleep yeah. on the side of the freeway to get past LA as quick as possible. <laughs> like, so no part of me had this fantasy because I grew up so close to it. I was like, I don't want to go to LA. And I remember for months I was asking questions. I thought about going to Mannheim to study music. I thought about going to Berlin or Hamburg or, you know, I was trying to think of all these different things. And I literally remember this was the first time I did it. I was at a, at a normal fitness studio in Germany and I was doing a yoga class. And in the middle of like the class, I, I was in this like deep meditation kind of thing. And literally, and I'd never experienced this before, I saw like seven neon signs, like Las Vegas signs, you know, with like the neon lights, but they all said Los Angeles and it was like, just go. And I, and it, it, it overpowered me so much that it literally left me in tears in the middle wow. of this like group yoga class. And I was like, but I don't want to go to LA, you know, and I was like, <laughs> like literally to. I was like, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't have that. Like, like I know a lot of people in the world are like, what are you talking about? Like LA is incredible. And I was like, I didn't have that. Like it, there was yeah. no, that fantasy wasn't there. And it was like, okay, let's go. And um, so I moved here three years ago, like right before pandemic, basically. So I saw a little taste of it before. Before we follow you to LA, there's one point that I want to dive into because it's a feeling I shared and I know from a lot of other creative people and entrepreneurs, they experienced the same thing. The moment you break out of your comfort zone or you let go of like the regular job, the nine to five life, the, yeah. you say goodbye to the real world to follow your calling or whatever you might name it. You said you were kind of lonely and I, yeah. and I think that's a, that's an interesting point to, to shed some light on because that's what a lot of people feel. Because all of a sudden you let go of what seems to be very secure, what are ways that other people already pursued. So you have a lot of a lot of people you can look left and right and up to maybe even. And now you do your own thing. You have to forge your own path and everything. And that kind of feels lonely. Yeah. And to me, I mean, still today there are days where I like, oh, wow, this is okay. What's next? What's It's just so purpose-driven. And then you're just falling yeah. back to your inner self, to what you just called your inner voice. We're going to have to talk about this a little bit more. And you have to yeah. build up the trust to just follow that and not do like what mom and dad did or your friends do or colleagues did or what's the freaking industry standard or something. But how did you yeah. how did you overcome this this loneliness or where did you find the strength to push through even though you felt lonely and before you had the epiphany in the Las Vegas yoga class? Honestly, it was like what I started to, and I didn't piece it together till like literally maybe last year, the year before. Um, but what I felt is that me being out of alignment with my purpose, right. With my journey, with my purpose on this earth, me, me neglecting that and, and doing something that was not in alignment with that. I physically started to manifest like ailments. So like, I remember like the last year that I was in Germany, I literally used 30 sick days, 30 sick days. And I, because I was literally like, 
I would rather be a little sick so I could stay home and do music or something than like go and do this other thing. And I was just miserable. And I was like, you know, there was, you know, mixture of, of depression, I think a little bit in there too, but I was just like, I can't do that. I was like, I literally can't continue on this path. And, and I was talking to someone one day and they were like, they were like, you know, this kind of thing can develop into like an ulcer, right? This is, you can grow a tumor if you literally are, are fighting against your purpose on this earth. Right. If you are, if, and, and I think, I think we all know, and it's that thing that we go back to when we're a little kid. I think we all know that like little inner truth inside of us, but sometimes that thing can feel impossible or it feels scary or you feel alone or you get a lot of pressure, right? From everyone around you saying, oh, this is what you should do and you should follow this and you should do this. And you're like, okay, well then I, I uh, for me, to be quite honest, actually, one of the big reasons why I even was so... um a little bit resistant with all the music and artistry stuff was my mom actually grew up in LA. She Mm. was an artist in LA. She's an incredible singer, incredible artist. And I remember her telling me stories as a kid of like the concept of the casting couch was real. If you want to get a gig in LA and in a lot of those bigger scenes, it was like, if you were a female artist, you had to be okay (laughs) giving a blow job. You had to be okay. Like that was just kind of the expectation. And, and for me, I remember being like, Oh, I don't, I I don't want that, that bad. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Which I feel like is okay to feel, you know? And I was like, Oh, I, I genuinely felt like I would rather not set myself up for that. And so that was like that inner that inner conversation, that inner, that inner voice, having that conflict and me too, to be quite honest, there was an actual huge shift in LA, which I, you know, found out about later, but, um, it, it actually opened the doors and changed that dynamic, um, to allow, I think this next generation of specifically female artists to be expressive, to be intimate, to be sensual, to be, um, to be completely expressive in safer spaces, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned two things. One, one thing reminds me of the um, book you recommended me, which I got is the War of Art, because they War talk a lot about Art, the yeah. um, resistance. What you just mentioned, and that to me, yeah, was such an epiphany because having a creative force within you, however that might come to light but it's such a it's such a conundrum to feel like i really want to do this and at the same time there's so much pressure i can't do it i can't face the canvas i can't fucking touch the strings of a guitar today what the fuck is wrong with me that's all i actually want to do and it's so much pressure and heartache just looking at the instrument or whatever and that's yeah that's the concept of resistance that they probably describe a million times better. But anyway, I'm going to no, put no, no, that you got book it. into the show notes for all the sweet people oh, listening now. They have to check it if they don't know it yet. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And it's one of those books that like, uh, I just lent it to a friend yeah. uh, two weeks ago. She already read it and she gave it back to me. It has a banana stain on it. And she was like, I'll buy you a new one. And I was like, no, no, this is 
meant to have banana stains on it. This is meant Specific, to have coffee stains on it. This is meant to, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. This book is meant to, and I was like, you're supposed to read it once a year because I think it's one of those books that like as an artist on your journey, depending on where you're at, it is going to hit you completely different yeah. each yeah. time you read it. Yeah, totally. And it's a short, easy read, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think, well, I want to circle back to the inner voice because what you said about the yeah. the sickness and the feeling sick part of this journey of finding your your expression of your inner calling and the purpose, I experienced that too. That's I, I talked about it in, before in the German episodes of this podcast because um, I founded a company and it was going along great for like a year where all, when all slowly the romance and the creativity and the garage founder spirit wears off. And then you find yourself being maybe a creative soul, but you are stuck in a position of CEO and financing and managing yeah. HR, all that stuff. Um, and talking to investors and pitching you things on stage, which is nice for your ego. But at the same time, I think I've never been as sick as that year before I quit the company, before I left it. Sold my shares. I, um. I had a heart out for the startup because I couldn't take it anymore. I love yeah. my co-founder. I love the company still today. It's amazing. And it was such a precious journey to me. But I was physically sick. Another night shift, another Saturday, Sunday, another 80-hour week. And it was just, I lost purpose. It's not about him. Yeah. It's not about the company. It's not even about the whole business thing. It was my calling as a creative. And it's maybe having side hustles, having a podcast project here, something there, a bit of music, a bit of painting, whatever it is. But that's maybe looking weird from the outside, you know, but that's how I manage. That's how I have to express myself. And I was so sick cutting off all of these loose ends that I really actually need. And I never felt that bad before. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I bet, I bet since you made that transition, you've probably been healthier than you've ever been. You probably almost percent. never get sick, right? A million percent. Yeah. 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 And people sometimes, especially in Germany, because the culture is pretty different when it comes to being an entrepreneur compared to the US, especially, because it's more of an envy culture. Uh, in Germany, there's a saying, we hate our heroes. So everyone who's made it or who has some money or yeah. who's kind of famous. Yeah. If you do it for 20 years, like famous TV hosts or some actors we have, then it's, then you're a cultural treasure. But other than that, it's like, nah, nah. It's a very big envy culture. So... Yeah. If you talk about entrepreneurs never being sick, it's like, oh, they're probably destroying themselves. It's all the pressure. It's all the, um, they don't dare to be sick because they run out of money. To me, at least, and as far as I can tell for you, the same, you just don't get sick because every morning you wake up and you can't wait to get to work and you're just so fulfilled by what you do. So that's another big, big plus. Yeah. yeah 100%. And I've noticed that. And I think the point is like, and I want to circle back to this. Yeah. Not all of us are on this earth are called to be an artist, right? Like Absolutely. some of us are called into medicine. Some of us are called into teaching. Some of us are called into finances. Like I think I want to just reiterate that like we are called to different things and we have different affinities. Yeah. And like one of my, like uh, the university I went to in, in San Diego One of this, like, literally, I still stick with it. One of my most incredible people that I met, he was the vice president of the university. Incredible, wonderful human being. Like he and I became actually really good friends and we like really just enjoyed our company. And he was like, you know, the vice president of the, of the finances of the, of the university. And he told me every day he wakes up at 4 a.m. 
and he works every day. He's on his treadmill. He goes to work. He said he's started to master the art of like the five minute nap in his office chair. So he could just like <laughs> take a little, like a little restful meditative Amazing. moment in the day. And he got good at like turning the chair around so he could just look out the window and just rest and then come back. But he was like, I literally haven't needed a sick day in six, seven, eight years, you know? And he was just yeah. like, get it because he is completely in alignment what he does right and i was like oh that's really interesting so i i just wanted to circle back that like the the moral of the inner voice isn't all of us are called to you know pick up a guitar and learn music even though yes yes 100 yeah. percent. i think that's very we have important. different callings yeah because yeah. it's so it's so shiny to be able to call yeah. yourself in whatever creative profession you might have. But I believe you can call it purpose or you might call it sweet spot if you put it into a story. Sweet but spot. that can be being a mother or being there for your friends or having a little Schrebergarten, like this tiny garden compartments Anything. that you can rent in Germany. Um, yeah. And I think you can find fulfillment in your calling and whatever resonates with your inner self. And that's your thing. That's totally fine. It doesn't even have to be a career choice. So but Absolutely. talking about the inner processes, I really want to know more about following your inner voice because that's one of the big things, big topics that are, that we always, when we talk, uh, we always come back to the inner voice and how it guides us and how we can maybe make sense of it. So let's start at the beginning. Um, can you remember when you first became aware of this thing we call inner voice? I think as kids and things, we I think a lot of us dude, you look so fucking cool right now. He's like smoking a cig <laughs> with his Corona beer. I'm like, I want to go sit there. I'm getting on a plane, Mark. Wait for me. <laughs> well, it's evening in Germany. You just I had know. your first coffee. It's might, it might, might be a good disclaimer to say there's a, an actual time <laughs> important time difference here. Yeah, it's not my breakfast. I just looked up. I was in my like meditative state. He's just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just like totally copy. Um, no, I, I mean, I think like the inner voice, right? I think to an extent, and, and I think each of us have different relationships with it. Um, um, I've heard a lot of folks say that, you know, women in general are are blessed with that like intuition, right? It's like part of that caregiver nature. It's that connection with the emotions, right? Um, even something as simple as literally like women have to get used to where they're at emotionally and psychologically based on their cycle. Right. So every month there's yeah. that process of like, like just checking in. Right. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, wait, why am I reacting this way? Is it because of this is it because of this. So there's like, I think in some ways there's an unfair disadvantage, right. That amazing. That, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. That women can be, I guess, intuitive is the word. Right. But the inner voice, I think is something different. I think it's something that's like, um, and, and it's a, a more, it's a longer journey, maybe developing that relationship. And I'm totally still in the middle of, of developing that relationship. Right. And it's the balance between, there's a difference between like your inner voice and you hearing, uh, some people call it like, um, what's it called? Like the, the small you. Right. Um, sometimes it's called like the little if there was like a little person just like sitting in your heart yeah. that was like, 
I know. And it's like trying to like do all these things exactly. to tell you and be like, no, don't stay there. What are you doing? Da, da, da. And a lot of times I think we can have that conflict because we're like, no, I'll be fine. I can do this. No, I'm okay. No. And you, and you try to rationalize against this thing here. That's like, and, and it can be so much I, louder than the rest. Right. Absolutely. I, sometimes and it's like, it's, you know what picture I take away from it? Do you remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? They had this yeah. villain, Krang, who was just a walking little squid-like brain. And he sat yes. in the in the center part of a huge robot behind glass. And that's like the image I take away from it. Your intuition yeah. can be fucking loud and steering the whole rest of you. Yeah, totally. It does. And, yeah. it's, and the thing it'll do is it's like the more, again, back to the other, like the physical manifestation, the more... If you don't listen to it, it's like, fine, you're not going to listen to me. Great. I'm going to make you sick. Great. I'm going to like, I'm going to pull you out of all these things. Right. Um, because you're just really upsetting me and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it is, it will get its way one way or the other. And um, the inner voice, I think what I used to do, and that was like, my inner voice knew I think really early on, hey, you got to go to LA and pursue like music stuff, right? Like you got to do this. This is what you have to do. Like, I think it knew it even before you and I met, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's that little thing that's like, it was like, okay, you're meant to go to Europe. You're meant to go to Germany. You're meant to do this, but like, you're only supposed to do this for a little bit of time and then you got to go to the next thing, right? Yeah. You got to, like you, you needed this journey, but now you got to go important, to LA. Important detour. Yeah. But I spent two years challenging That voice, which is yeah. also part of the journey, right? Sure. So there's no there's there's no neglect. But what I started to then take away from that was I was like, what if I just trusted it? What if I just literally listened? And if it was like, hey, here's this thing, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm gonna just do that. And so trying to create shorter distances between that thing that we know. And it can be sometimes, honestly, the inner voice is something as little as like I think I told you this actually when I saw you in September in Germany. Uh, this is a very small, short story, but it, it was a good, I think, example of like what this looks like. So uh, I had a gig in Munich mm -hmm. in in September, and uh, which I remember we texted and talked about on my drive home from Munich. Yes. But when when I The night before I was going to go to Munich by train, right, in September of 2021, um, the night before, I remember going to sleep and something was like, hey, get a lot of good sleep tonight because tomorrow something weird is going to happen with the train. And I was like, okay, whatever. And it was like, okay, just go to sleep, get some really good rest, whatever. I wake up and I start getting all these messages and things and it's like, hey, hey, uh, this train is late. This is going to be delayed. This is going to be a problem, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. That's fine. All right. It's going to be late. That's okay. But part of me was like, and I had to perform that night. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. okay, I built in a buffer. Like it's going to be okay. So I get on the first train, everything's fine. But then the train that was basically coming from Munich in Stuttgart for the Umsteig, yeah. um, <laughs> for the, what would you call You want to call it layover in English for the, the train exchange. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, it was late, like an hour late. And so I'm standing there in Stuttgart and then it was like, 
okay, how am I going to get on this train? Like everything's going to be, it's going to arrive late to pick me up and it's going to go. So I was like standing at the, at the Bahnhof for whatever in Stuttgart. And I was like, uh, okay. So my inner voice in this moment was saying, well, go check a rental car. So I go check a rental car. All the rental cars are gone. And I really had to go to the bathroom. And I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And the inner voice was like, no, just wait until you get on the train. You can go on the train. And I was like, but there are no trains. And it was like, just wait until you get on the train. You're going to go on the train. I was like, okay, fine. And I'm looking around and there's no trains. And I go and ask someone from like the Deutsche Bahn. And I was like, hey, I got to ask you, is there any train going to Munich that's going to, like, I had like the fast train. I was like, is there any train that's going to be like, that's going to go to Munich or whatever. And as I'm talking, they point to this other spot and they're like, yeah, this train is like a, what was it? Like the Reuban. So it has like more stops. Yeah. Like, yeah, this train's going to go to Munich and it was pulling right in. And I was like, okay. And I was like, am I allowed to take it? And they're like, yeah, sure, sure. So I get on the train and I'm like asking the train driver, Hey, are you going to, are you going to go to Munich? And he was like, I'm not, but the train is. And I was like, okay, great. And I'm like waving to him. And like, we're having like a nice, Amazing. like Amazing. American with the yeah. German train yeah. driver. That's moment. so good. That's so good. <laughs> and so- he was like, I'm not. And so anyway, so I get on the train and I'm like, Okay. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get there like two hours later. This is going to make a million stops. But I didn't worry about time. I was just like, I'm going to get here. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to go well. And I really believed that. And I, I sat down next to this super nice guy and he watched my stuff. I went to the bathroom, everything. And we just had an incredible conversation. We just connected on the train. And then I got off. And when I got to Munich, I was two minutes early than I was scheduled to arrive. That's amazing. And I was like, And I literally was like, how is that even possible? Like, how is it like that wasn't aligned necessarily time wise. But in that moment, I remember feeling like I'm not going to I'm not going to challenge the inner voice. Right. That's saying, "Okay, go check this. No, don't go to the bathroom. You're going to miss this train that's coming. You know, it was a very like I'm just going to follow the flow of this moment and really believed everything's going to be okay." And I think you need little moments like this to build up trust into for you in a voice yeah. because yeah i had yeah. to learn it the exact same way and then one day you'll be able to quit your day job because the inner voice tells you so i think you should you have yeah. to cultivate that and start the connection and start up listening and get to know the language of your inner voice because it's not necessarily english yeah. or german maybe it has a weird swabian dialect or something your inner voice you know you never know so yeah i think it's yeah. important to find these little moments of trust Trust in your guts, trust in your feeling, your inner voice, whatever, and then you can you can build on that. I remember, so because I asked you, I thought about my own question. What was the first time that you had like this this inner voice thing? And I remember the little episode when I was still a very young kid. I don't know, two, three years old, something like that. And um, I have a lot of my creative impulses. I got them from my dad. He was a photographer, and we always sat down and painted together. And he was like, he was a traveling photography guy doing a lot of sundowns and super colorful powerful images and when i was a kid i would always go straight for black charcoal or black watercolor i wasn't interested in any kind of color it was always just very rudimentary brutalistic um black and white oh my god I, i have no idea how that came to be it was always like default mode black shapes forms contrast whatever and i remember sitting down with him and he sat next to me and got me this huge watercolor um box and it was like 48 colors every every color of the rainbow and even more and he was like oh try this and try this 
and I went straight for black. And we had this tiny little how a father and son have a discussion in that age. But I was like, no, no, it needs to be black. And I remember this. And this was because it wow. was it, it for a second. It felt like I'm letting him down. He's this colorful person and he wants me to do this uh, purple and pink and red. And I was like, no, I I can't handle it. It's too much no. for now. I need That's to focus me. on yeah. shapes and lines and everything of that. Yeah. And then you yeah. can slowly start building this up. And I also like the analogy with the train and the two-year detour. Because on your on your website, we're going to talk about Lilac Records in a minute. But on your website, you have this beautiful little quote, I might say. No lesson can be taught. All must be learned. You put it on a on a super nice frame. I can, I can put a link yeah. to your website, of course, and also to that pictures so people can look at it and this reminded me of the i don't know who said it but i heard the quote of be be careful with unearned wisdom something along those lines and it's mm. like you, sometimes you have to take the detour you can't be the insta model yeah. that's with 25 millionaire big mercedes bling bling whatever sometimes it takes i don't know maybe until you're 50 and you will then finally made enough detours to arrive where you should be so i think not yeah. rushing it and that's something i struggle with all the time because i'm super impatient that's like my big weakness yeah. i'm very very impatient with everything so and sometimes you just gotta be hit in the face with patience so hard and you gotta take the detour mm -hmm. so yeah that's uh, I <laughs> part hear of the you. journey i, I hear guess you. yeah it totally is and it's also um even the 25 year old, right. With the bling bling and the millionaire and whatever she or he, right. They're going to be on their own journey and they're on like reconciling with their values and their system. 100%. That's going to come, but maybe it comes for them when they're 70 and they're like, what did I do with this life? Maybe. maybe, or maybe they're like, Hey, I did the whole thing. Great. And I'm super happy. And this was awesome. Like, Good for them. you know, each sure good for them right so sure. it's, yeah we're each each of us is on our own journey and so it's like you said it's quieting the other voices yeah. right that are yeah. saying hey you should do this or I, one day i literally remember looking at myself in the mirror seeing you know all of my friends are in germany right getting married having kids buying houses and there was this weird pressure and i was like and i was like what's going on and i remember literally looking in the mirror one day and i was like you have permission to do things differently. Yes. You can just do things the way that you want it. And I really had to give myself permission to be like, they can do that. And it's incredible. And I love them. And I'm so happy for them. It does not mean that that's translating directly to me. Right. Yeah. Um, I think giving yourself permission is a huge step on every creative or entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Especially if you, well, if listeners who are not in the creative field and they start their own business, go solo, start their own company, whatever, giving yourself permission to fail is something that's, I mean, you can read it everywhere. Fail, fail again, learn. It's easy on paper. It's a super nice Instagram post. But if you actually fail and you let your employees down, someone in your family who, who lent you money or your investors or whatever, this comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of hard feelings. So, but yeah, it's good to yeah. forgive yourself and give yourself permission to do whatever it takes. So I was asked once by someone, how would you describe your inner voice or the intuition or the gut feeling? What do you think feeds that voice? Because it's very wise sometimes. 
And I wondered where this wisdom comes from. What do you think? Is it experience? Is it a connection to a, in Jungian terms, collective unconscious? What do you think feeds our inner voices? Because that's a really kind of gets wooey, but I think that's the interesting. That's the juicy stuff, right? I, I yeah, I know. I was like, we, you want to go there? We can go there. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, no, um, honestly, this is my understanding today. Right. So in, in five years, my understanding might be different, but my understanding today is that I believe in a way we come to this earth already with a soul that has lifetimes of experience. And we come to this earth and, and, and I believe that in a way we, we select our parents, right? We say, who, who do I want to go to, to teach me what I need to learn? And we come with a, a sense of like, this is my purpose. I'm going to this earth. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm living this experience and I'm going to experience all of the aspects of that. And for the sake of that soul learning, growing, expanding, right. And, and learning those lessons within the lifetime. And then it repeats in a different way. And I think You know, I, I, I'm sure you have, and I, I think to an extent we experience this with each other, but I think it's, it explains that feeling when you meet someone for the first time and there's that moment where you're like, oh my God, hi, it's nice to see you again. Where have you been the last 500 years? I've missed you. Like, what have you been doing? Hey, what's, what's going on? Like, and it's that like an inexplicable, like you meet someone and you're just like, Oh my God, there you are. I've literally been looking this whole planet to find you. Hi, yeah. what's been, what's been cooking, right? You know what I mean? And I think to an extent, like that little inner voice, right? The best way I would describe it is it's like, I feel like it's that little soul that's all knowing that's like connected to, like you said, the higher consciousness it's connected to it. It has no ego, right? It The ego, I believe in a way is like, our bodies, right? The ego is the thing that's very important. It keeps us alive. The ego is like, Hey, I live and die with your body. I cannot let you get hit by a train. I cannot let you walk in traffic. Right. I cannot, because when you go, I go with you. It, it <laughs> But has the soul, its moment. It had its moment. It has its yeah, moment. Definitely. Totally. And, and the soul is like, I don't care. Like yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going, man. Like I am continuing on this journey with or without you. <laughs> like, so the soul is like, Hey, We're just moving through this together. We're, and, and I think for me, at least a, a, a tangent here, but one of the most important questions, and, and I would say to anyone um, that is going through their own journey and they're piecing things together in 2020, yeah, in 2020, I started asking my relatives and friends and loved ones, I was just like, Hey, have you ever experienced anything supernatural? You know, just like anything you couldn't explain, anything that felt otherworldly, anything. And I was so surprised how people who aren't woo-woo, aren't super religious or yeah. spiritual or anything, you ask them and they start coming at you with all of these stories that you're like, I'm sorry, what? What did you experience? And For me, the day that I really clicked was um, when my mom told me uh, how 20 years ago when I was seven, she had an asthma attack and she was in a coma for a week. 
And she said she literally had an out of body experience where she saw herself in the in the hospital room. And she said she saw us kids there and she was like, I have to go back in there to raise those kids. Like, I can't, I can't go yet. And I looked at my mother and I was like, the fuck? You have never told me this. I was like, mom. And she literally was like, oh, I really never thought about it. And I was like, how could you not think about Wow. What? Like, yeah, well, I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. But no one had ever asked her that question. Yeah. She had literally never thought about yeah. it because she was like, oh, yeah. I mean, that was kind of strange. And I'm like, what? are you talking about, you know, and, and to experience that from my mother who, you know, had no ulterior motive. There's no reason for her to lie. I mean, in that moment, she was just being totally honest and you're like, Oh my God, what does this all mean? Right. And so I was, I was coming from a more agnostic or even maybe some would say atheist point of view Mm -hmm. most of my life. Mm -hmm. And that was really a turning point of just asking and saying, Hey, people I love and trust around me. Like, have you ever experienced something supernatural? Yeah. And when you start, when it's, when it doesn't become, you know, crazy people on, in, on the internet, right. Crazy YouTube things. When it's like people, you know, and love who just share something, you're like, wait a minute, that inner voice, right. Is that thing that is in a way all knowing. Yeah. It's, it's connected to that higher consciousness. That's a beautiful question to ask your friends and family. That's really good. And yeah. it's funny you say that because I come from a from a similar background. I'm also being in my teenage years was super agnostic, atheistic because uh, my parents were super wooey. My, my dad was an old hippie photographer guy. Um, smoking some weed, long hair, wearing Indian saris and everything. And he was into Hinduism, reincarnations, all that stuff. It was like the best of worldly spiritual religion stuff you can ever imagine. Oh yeah. And, and so I remember growing up, my punk rock anarchy phase was like, you know what? Screw all that. If they would have been like super traditional Catholics, I would have maybe gone all hippie spiritual. But since they were so open to all of these concepts, I was like, you know what? I'm a total atheist. There's nothing. Rationality. Um, yeah. yeah, until you open up or I wouldn't say I'm a per se spiritual person today, but at least you have to acknowledge that there are some things you might call it inner voice, intuition, um, creative consciousness, however you might want to call it or whichever concept you can sign up for may it be Carl Jung may it be I don't know the Bhagavad Gita whatever you choose whatever poison you pick so to speak but um, yeah it's just nice opening up yourself to new impulses new input new experiences I guess yeah so that's yeah that's worth a lot so but let's get back to your I want to tie these two things together because I want to know now today you are an artist, you're a singer, songwriter, producer. You just founded Lilac Records, which we're going to talk about later. And I wonder what this inner voice, how it guides you today. Because you gave in to so many suggestions it made or so many directions it took you. So did you learn to incorporate it more? Is it part of your routine, your creative process now? Or are there unconscious moments where it just hits you? Yeah, um... I was like nodding my head and I was like, oh, wait, this is audio. It's a <laughs> like, podcast. Yes, it's a podcast. <laughs> um, absolutely. I mean, 
it is it is so incorporated right in in not only the creative process now but in the decision making process too so um like i remember uh driving i re- literally remember driving the exact moment I was driving the the tortoise class so in Kalasua, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, <laughs> well, <laughs> which since, is literally that. <laughs> since the audience now reaches far beyond Germany, I think we should clear that up. So, um, so it's, you call it roundabout, it, right? Fine. Is that a British thing or it, is it an American thing as well? Yeah, no, it's a roundabout. So but this one specifically. famous roundabout of death in the, the little town <laughs> we met. And I grew up actually, and it's just like coming from the inner city to the highway and connecting to other routes, and it's just like this four-lane monster with a train going a through it. Exactly, a train going and there's through a train it. going through, and you can you can there's a pedestrian crossing, multiple of them, and in the middle it's a little piece of green, and it's like, and the agency was right at the edge of that. So every day from the big meeting room, you could look down into this circle of death. And every day, literally every day, there's been some kind of minor or bigger accident there. Like literally yeah. every day, cars crashing into the train, uh, cyclists oh getting God. run over, cars crashing into each other. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 historic. Even friends <laughs> that would visit me from like other countries, when they would come visit, they'd be like, exactly. who designed this? And I was like, I don't know. What the Obviously fuck someone that? who wasn't yeah. German because it doesn't feel like it was a German concept. I was like, they let an American come in and design this one roundabout. You know what? I think But, if we would have this person here right now, he would probably say it was a conflict of his ego. Like, I'm a, I'm an architect. I'm a builder. I can, I can do make this. Anything work. Let's make the biggest and craziest roundabout the world has ever seen. And he didn't listen yeah. to his inner voice. Like, dude, that's fucked up. Just separate like, the trains from the cars. Like, all over the world. Yeah. Easy. Maybe Easy. that's a good, good example. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, back to the inner voice. So yeah. I was, I literally remember the day driving through that, and I, I had some sort of vocal teacher in. Germany, who was great. She's lovely. She was incredible. But I was like, why am I just singing scales and chords? And like, I felt like I was like, this is not, again, this is nothing against her, but I was like, this is not what I'm looking for. I was like, I'm looking for a mentor who understands all of my artistry, who's like, hey, I understand what you're doing vocally. I understand what you're doing lyrically. I understand what you're doing musically. I understand your whole brand, your image, your look, your feel. Yeah. Like, I understand this whole thing and we're going to help, like, I'm going to help you sound like you, right? So I thought this like five years ago in the circle of death. And... Um, <laughs> Where you usually <laughs> contemplate life. I just remember that. I literally second. remember yeah. like getting stuck in that and you know i mean maybe there's a metaphor for that but just being stuck in that and just being like this is not what i want yeah. and lo and behold like you know three years after that or something i was in la and through just a series of different events i stumbled on um my mentor and very close friend robert max who literally is one of the most incredible like geniuses that like I've ever met who's able to, he helps with artists in their artist development, but he was like, Hey, here's what's working for you. And here's what's not working for you. And I was coming with such a like ego driven, like strong, like, uh, I know better kind of like, this is what, and I was trying to follow things that were working for other people. I was like the exact wrong approach to all of everything. And 
And it was just about a lot of it was a lot of bad programming that I had just collected over the years that I had to unlearn. Um, and he was so gracious and he was like, no, I see the thing inside, but like you got to like work some stuff out. And so we would have sessions and I would work on stuff. And and through that, it was like this this feeling of, you know, not not being stuck in like, oh, I have to like make this perfect lyric, right? I have to sit with a dictionary. I have to, I have to labor over a lyric. You know, he was, he was very big on the like, no, creativity is spiritual, period. It is intimate. It is connective. It is spiritual. It is transcendent. And he was like, whatever's going on, let's figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that was very foreign at the time, you know what I mean? But it was like, okay, how do we how do we get this inner voice connected to the whole process, to the whole decision-making process, right? And what that looks like, I, I would say now is, I'll, I'll, let me share, I guess, this like intermediate step. So about a year ago, I wrote an, another good friend of mine. Now he's a good friend, but he was a stranger before. His name is Augustine Beriel. He's an incredible visual artist. Uh, he's one of the artists featured on Lilac Records. And I had kind of met him like before pandemic, but very cursorily. And I said, hey, um, and I remember I met him and it was one of those soul moments of like, I saw him and I was like, oh my God, we've been friends for like a thousand years. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not ready to like be his friend yet. I was like, literally like, I need to go do research on my life before I can like start a conversation. Cause I was like, oh I'm, not, I'm not ready. That's you know, cute. and yeah. I, I just had this like, Oh my God. Okay. We've been friends for like a really long time, but like, Oh, I'm not ready. Okay. So I went and gone, I left, I lived some life. Right. And then I, one day I wrote him and I was like, okay, I'm ready. You know, kind of like, okay, let's be friends now. And he was like, what? And he came over to my house. This was last January, middle of pandemic, right? Middle of America changing their president, middle of like a lot of turmoil, lockdowns everywhere. Everyone's stuck at home. And he comes over and he was like, Hey, I just have to tell you, I, um, I had a meditation last night and I just received this message and he was like, it said, the reason Sam sings is to heal her past. And I was like, and this was 10 minutes of us like talking and meeting. And he, in that moment had no idea some of the the trauma that I was healing from very recently. And it hit us so strong that like he was crying, I was crying. We're like hugging in my kitchen and I'm like, what is going on? And I was like, you don't understand how connected and like relevant that message is to me like right now. And it was like, yeah, she sings to heal the wounds of her past or something. He said it more poetic than I can remember. But the feeling of it was like, and I said, hey, we should work on creating art that inspires art, right? So he's a visual artist. And I was like, what if we did a piece where I make music based on one of your art pieces and you make art maybe based on one of my, one of my songs. Right. So we kind of started off with this and there was this art piece, which I can share with you as well. Um, It's this beautiful. uh, He has this like very unique digital artwork style. And it's this, this almost like alien woman standing in a sunflower field. And she has a blindfold over her eyes but there's one eye is open and then there's two other little boy aliens kind of following her and 
I was looking at this and I was like, I don't know what to write about this. Something about it calls me, but I don't know. I don't know what to do for this musically. And then I was just kind of playing around and it was the first time I was playing guitar and I heard what I wanted to play, but it was beyond my skill level. So it took me a few days to learn what I was hearing. Yes. To Because I was like, okay, I hear it, but like my fingers aren't there yet. So I had to practice it. And then the lyrics came and they came so strong that I didn't understand what they meant. And it, and, and I was like, okay, I don't understand what this, this means quite exactly, but I recorded it and I, and the whole thing just came out and it wasn't until later that I understood what the message was. Right. And that was the first time I ever experienced anything like that, where it was like this creative thing is coming through you faster than you're able to comprehend it. And I remember you describing uh, something similar, which is what like made me so obsessive and, and in love with your piece, The Three Muses. I think all of your pieces in general, but seeing The Three Muses, I remember you describing something similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, so quick disclaimer for the sweet people listening, because they probably know me as the design guy and the podcast host. I sometimes um, pick up a brush. And paint a little bit on the side, so um, like a fucking madman <laughs> genius, like <laughs> like pause everything, like it. I literally, he showed me a picture on his phone, and I literally for a week kept seeing it in my brain, like so cool. Sorry, thanks so much. Thank to, you so hate much. to cross that Thank path for you. So no, 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 that's that's absolutely fine. No more rules. Incredible. Let's open yeah. all things up. So, yeah. I was talking on this podcast before it switched to English. So if any one of you can listen to this thing in, in German, listen to it. I was talking to artists from different fields, musicians, voiceover artists, and other creative people over the last year. And whenever it came to how does your creative process work, what inspires you, even in the entrepreneurial sense, like people who founded a startup that's now a couple of days short for the IPO. Um, all of them describe this process where, okay, you need to commit to your craft. You need to be a well-trained vessel, so to speak, that if an idea comes to you, it kind of evaluates if you're not worthy, but if you're capable of putting it out there. So otherwise it may yeah. go somewhere else. So it's just these, you have to be prepared for whatever hits you. But if you ask any creative person who's committed to it, they will all not, be willing to take full credit and maybe even full yeah. responsibility what for whatever they did because there's always this yeah. little spark of and then it just happened i was just jamming i was just painting i was just doing whatever and yeah. um i think you can experience this in all forms of of output that you commit yourself to even if you're a founder some some founders i've been talking to they were like oh and i learn to code these things or do ux ui design and i always wanted to do something on my own and then it just hit me one day there is a problem i can solve it's rarely any successful yeah. like big successful entrepreneurs that were like oh well i scheduled it all on my business plan in my second semester of studying economics never rarely the case so you you have to train your craft you have to be open and then if you're lucky enough you might get hit by whatever it is right Absolutely. So I really appreciate and, that process. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you're absolutely right that that literally is in any field, whether you're a gardener, whether you're in IT, whether you're in marketing, yes. whether you're an inventor, like, and I think 
the 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 hardest practice for me in this and then the thing that I uh, am still working at and and encourage everyone to to address is the intentional act of sending your ego for a walk yeah. right because yeah. the ego is not only the thing being like I'm so great like look at what I just did right the ego is also the thing saying well I don't know how to do that why can't you do that better wow you think that's really good like it's also that self-doubt yes and it's the thing that just gets in the way and it's like and I've literally had moments where I'm like leave Go, go for a walk. You can talk about all this later. You can do whatever, 100%. like I'll, yeah. I'll need you later, but you are not helping me, which is, I think, to be quite honest, why a lot of artists, right, or creatives, um, when their physical form, let's say, is uh, not sober, right, from whatever, or maybe it's super tired, or it's, you know, when the ego is is softer, uh, a lot of times right in the middle of the night, you know, it's when that creative in thing has a, has a window to come in because it's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. The ego went for a walk. Okay, great. They're gone. Okay. Let's go right now. Like now's our chance, right? Exactly. exactly. And the moment that we start becoming self-aware in that process is gone. when things get wonky. 100%. Yeah. And it can, in my experience, it can go both ways. It's like you okay, I think I need to paint maybe on a bigger canvas. Oh man, no, bigger, really, that's going to yeah. be expensive. That's show up, that's whatever. And it can go quite the other way. If you if you have a music idea and it's just like, it's just your voice and a ukulele and that's it. No, I, we need to overproduce this. We need choirs and beats and all of this. And you can literally just ruin the idea with whichever turn your ego takes. Yeah. So. So the last thing that comes to mind when we talk about this, it's something that I completely can't understand, which is like science and math and physics and all that stuff. I'm really bad at this since school days. But what I really appreciated is when I found out that people like Albert Einstein and others, at the end of their career, when they were like in this on this Faustian journey through the knowledge, through learning and acquiring more knowledge and becoming professor, doctor, whatever, and coming up with theories. And at the end of their lives, a lot of them, Stephen Hawking was one of them, Einstein was one of them, they all became kind of spiritual because they just, they grasped something that was so much bigger and so inexplicable to them that was so amazing. So they're like a fucking physicist who's in numbers yeah. and logic and relativity all his life. And then at one point he's like... I think there's something at least spiritual out there, some creative whatever energy that forms this. So if you believe it or not, it's just interesting to see that people like this who are driven by rational and math and science all their life at one point at the end of their career say, there's something bigger, at least for my understanding. Absolutely. And I think it's like, I think it's such a weird time that we're in that we think that those two things need to be separated. Yes. Like, I don't know what happened in humanity because I don't think, you know, when Galileo or when um, <laughs> Socrates or any of those, I don't think they sure. were like, oh, you're religious and you're a scientist. Like, what are you doing? You know, I think they were just like, no, I can humbly acknowledge a connection to all things, right? Mm -hmm. I can humbly acknowledge that there are things that I don't know about, right? can totally accept that and also i'm understanding some of the ticks and the ways that things work here right um 
and it's it's almost like it's almost like in music right if you wanted to translate the same thing right it's like you can play music and shred on the guitar Hell and never yeah. know what the <laughs> never know what the chords are called right exactly yeah. and someone someone at some point said well we should name these right and that's kind of the same thing with science it's like yeah, we can all live with all of these atoms and all of these things around us, yes. right? And physics and, and quantum physics and everything. But like someone then said, hey, let's just give this a name, right? Let's give that chord a name. Um, yes. Basically to just, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't impact whether it exists or doesn't exist, right? Whether we know about it or don't know about it. Like the earth was still round even before people knew it was round. It just gives us more maybe a language or a context put something that's kind of indescribable into words you know what i mean a hundred percent i know what you mean because i think we're facing a lot of these things still today i mean i'm a big fan of the enlightenment and all but at least for me who's not too much into technology and has a very limited understanding of, of science in terms of physics um, when i look at ai and the potential threats and the opportunities of ai i always compare ourselves to this we know a lot and we can create a lot but at the same time if you have you ever witnessed dogs riding in cars and they're like this is fine i get it i hang my head out of the window sure he has no concept of highways and and tolls you have to pay or however roads work or what this freaking car is that he's in yeah and absolutely yeah. no idea. he can still enjoy the ride and sometimes it's maybe nice to be the dog you know that's 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 something i think about from time to time yeah i love that yeah <laughs> so Okay, but we really need to boil it down to your songs and your music and um, one of the ways you express your creativity. So you actually brought a piece of art. You brought a song that um, you want to maybe share with us. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's, what's the name of the song and what's the story of the song? Um, this song is called Like a Feather and it's... It was a big moment, I would say, in, in this whole journey um, because it was the first time in my life ever that I received, you know, sometimes there'll be like a little nugget in the back of your mind and you're like, oh, that's an interesting concept. And like, I, I you know, there's the subconscious working for like a week or two weeks or even months. Right. And then I literally remember I took a single sheet of paper and I went and sat at the pool and I was like, oh, let me just like write this idea down. I'm just trying to get out of the house. And I sat at the pool or whatever, because it's Los Angeles, right? Um, and <laughs> I was sitting at the pool and the whole song came start to finish lyrically exactly how it is today in four minutes. And I did the whole front of the page, the whole back of the page. And I was sitting there with this piece of paper and I was like, what just happened? What just happened? And I was like, I have to go put this in because I can't have the single piece of paper so close to water. I was like, I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where this came from. I don't know how this was. And, and then the music came almost, you know, when I sat down and then and tried some stuff on, on guitar and everything, then that whole process came pretty quickly as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what would be the best thing. I would say if that's cool with you, I will just um, edit the song in right now. Perfect. Let's do it. That's better.
Like a feather fall From an empty sky No bird inside you No it's a sign Trying to show you the light Like a summer breeze Sings a melody to Ears only those that tune can hear Like a sunset That never fades Into an endless moon That never rises It's love united It's love and light and it's love all right, it's love all right, it's love all right, it's love. Like a message sent from a long lost friend, the moment they enter your consciousness. Like a stranger who's always had your back Far was beside you in lies beyond you It's love united It's love and light and it's love all right It's love all right It's love all right I love that song. I remember the moment you showed me that song. That was when you went to Germany for a gig in Munich. 
uh, the story you just told. Yeah. It was a night before the gig and um, we, I, I, we were driving in my car and you showed me that song. And I yeah. know a lot of your music before, but this was, I think up until today, who knows what's coming, but for today, this is my favorite song of yours. It has just some, something resonates. I really love that song. So for, uh, yeah, to, to kind of dive into your creative work. I mean, what you just described is stroke of genius. Of course, you have this idea and all the lyrics came to you. Is this usually how it goes or is there an order of things or a state you got to put yourself in? So to be open for this process to start or is there anything you can share with us for people who want to get more in touch with their creative flow? I would say like the thing that, uh, at least for me, that I, I am accepting is I think there's this weird phobia with like It's in English, it's called like writer's block, right? There's this mm -hmm. weird phobia mm -hmm. with like, oh, something is like stopped, right? Like, oh, it's not. And it's like, I I found a lot of uh, calm and ease and acceptance with all of that because I was like, it's allowed to come in phases. It's allowed to come in waves. So like the week that Like a Feather came, five other songs came that week. I mean, it was like, it was wild. And then I spent the whole week after that just recording and... So I did that and then, and then I was working on some songs and then basically after I came back from Germany, I ended up moving, building here now my, my first studio here in LA, um, getting all the things set up for Lilac Records, doing all that. And I really didn't get any, any creative flow after that. But I remember sitting with myself and just being like, this is okay. Because I was like, I'm just so focused on this different thing that I need to be doing right now. It would, it would almost make me upset if I was being hit with five songs a week and I didn't have the capacity to capture them, to work on them. Yeah. So in a way I was like, okay, this is fine. Like I'm not, I'm not being like, I, I'm doing, I'm taking care of some like human life things, right? I'm like getting, moving, getting things set up, taking care of, to create that space to be able to like really fall into it, right? And I think sometimes... I'll say this, I, I did not love myself necessarily as much as I, I could have in those times. because you're like, I'm so disconnected. And like, this doesn't feel like, like it's good. Right. So you're like, Oh, like this doesn't, I feel like I'm cut off from like your own life source, but it was also saying like, I know it's not disconnected. It's just, it's on a pause for right now. Right. So break, I think we do yeah. have those. Yeah. And we have those waves. Um, And in this past week, like another four have just come through where I'm like, okay, right, I get it. Amazing. We're all right. Everything's open. We're going, let's do it. You know? And, you know, I think that's just the flow of, of the whole process. So my mentor compares the muse to sex yeah. and it actually is very similar. We always joke about it, but I'm like, yeah, that that's pretty much it. It's like, And then maybe, maybe, maybe the male orgasm was a little different, but the female orgasm, right? If like a woman's like, yeah, I'm going to have it right now. Yeah. Let's like right now. Okay. Right, right now. It's never going to work. You know what I mean? Like that's just, it doesn't, it doesn't flow that way. Right. But if the woman is like, and I'm being very rudimentary here, but like if, if the person is like, I'm just surrendering myself completely to this moment, whatever mm -hmm. this moment is. And they stop thinking about, oh, I want to have this desired outcome. Oh, I'm trying to strive for this thing. If they're just like, 
I am here and I am connected to you and I'm making love with you. And like this moment is like the most sacred thing on the whole planet. Something good might happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. If we circle back to Jung and the archetypes, I mean, muses are always portrayed as women. So I think that is, you can find some kind of connection to the at least female approach to sensuality. I think this comparison is is built on a big foundation because it's not like this focused and rational. It's more like you have to open yourself up and be in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. To back, I guess to answer your question of like, how can you be open, right? How can you connect to that? Honestly, it's just, like you said, it's acknowledging that you're the vessel. It's sending your ego for a walk. And like um, John Lennon described it as like, specifically with lyrics, right? It's you're just the secretary. You're just you're nice. just taking notes. And a lot of times when we do that, right, specifically with like lyrics, you can be going and then your brain might shut on and it's like that word doesn't rhyme. That doesn't make sense. And it's like, stop, get out, just write. And when it comes, it's like you you literally aren't. The practice is not thinking what is happening. Mm -hmm. It's just you just take all of it right and then maybe later as you're putting it maybe to music right as you're playing with things maybe you tweak a little bit here and there but the idea is and that's just a practice but the idea is it's going to be you know 90% there and and it's it's acknowledging that like ideally each time something like that happens Uh, like Paul McCartney said this with the song yesterday, he was like, the song came to me completely. And he was like, to this day, I still learn from that song because it wasn't about me specifically. He's like, I still, I'll hear it. And he's like, and it teaches me something. And he's like, oh, it came through me, right? That's all you can really say is it came through me. I'm sure you experienced it with your artwork, right? Again, two thoughts at once, as always when we speak. So first of all, a <laughs> little shout out for all the sweet people listening. If you haven't watched it yet, you must watch the Beatles documentary by Peter Jackson. It's on, I think, Apple TV. It's a, it's a documentary following the Beatles, um, making their record. And one of the most impressive scenes in there to me was like, <laughs> you see Paul McCartney in the middle of the studio. No one is freaking listening to him. And it just... The camera captures him writing Get Back, just wow. putting it out there. Just guys are talking, the technicians are walking around, no one listens, no one gives a shit, and he just sits there writing down the lyrics and the music. It's just they captured this holy moment where Mr. McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, just came up with fucking wow. Get Back. And it's so, and I love that it's so, in a good way, unholy. It, like it crashes and crumbles this sacred, weird, abstract, don't touch me process of creative work. So I think just as you explained it, opening up, being in the moment, being present and, and being prepared. I think this is when you talk about creativity and creative techniques. It always comes down to these weird little habits and practices. And I remember two big things I learned in, on, on my humble creative journey so far. One of it was... My first guitar teacher ever, um, he gave me an amazing tip. He said, don't put away your guitar. If you want to become good at playing guitar, it's not about 
sitting down, making it a huge appointment with yourself to practice. Just don't put it in its bag. Just let it lean against your bed frame or your desk or wherever. Just have it sit there. It's going to attract you. You're going to pick it up like four times a day and just play two chords or a little riff or just play with it. And through this playful approach, you have spent so much more time with the instrument and getting better at it and getting to know it. And I still up until today, I do this with everything I want to learn. If I want to produce podcasts, I built the freaking studio inside my living room or I put my huge canvases inside my dining room. So it turns into kind of a no more living, but more creative working experience. But that's amazing. That's how I love it. And I, and I still, for me, up until today, whenever inspiration might strike you, you need to have it at hand. It's not like, okay, I need to build up this whole setup to, to channel the inspiration. Because then you get caught up in ego and rational and, okay, which cable goes where and it's gone. It's going to be gone way too, way too quick. And the second thought is something I struggled with over the last past two years because I started morning pages. I know, I know everyone listening will be like, oh my goodness, Mark, you're starting morning pages since two years. I'm really late to the party. I know, but... What are morning pages? <laughs> Seriously? You don't know that? Yeah. It's a creative practice from the book, um, The Artist's <gasps> Way. And it's just, you got a first thing in the morning. Well, second thing, I get a coffee first. Sit your ass down or you go back to bed and write how I do it. And you journal three pages. No judgment. Wow. And this is yeah. freaking hard. I was working as a copywriter. I write a lot for advertising, for brands, for stories. The editor is always in my head while I'm creating, which is not, not a good place to be in. I know that. But the morning pages really make me face this demon of editing while creating. It has to be, you know, you got to create intoxicated and um, edit sober is what they say. But mm. maybe it comes down to what kind of personality you are. Maybe you're Thomas Mann or you're Charles Bukowski. You never know. Maybe you have to get up at six in the morning, go into your garden shed and type away for four hours straight and be super disciplined. Or you approach a more laissez-faire way of it. Yeah. I was curious. I, I know what morning, like I know what that concept is. I, I think I hadn't heard that as like a term before, oh. but I, so that's why I was curious. But it, um, I think maybe we were talking about this last time we talked, but I, I, I love what you're describing. And I remember, I think we talked about this, but maybe, maybe someone else, but I remember distinctly asking a bunch of my relatives, older relatives, older. And I said, Hey, what was your favorite decade you ever lived in? You know, I was just like curious. Cause I was like, what we think about is like different. And I was like, what was your favorite decade? And they all had like different answers. And, and some of them, I was like, you know, a lot of times our favorite decade is also connected to our youth, right? When we physically felt our most attractive, our, mm -hmm. our, our fittest, our strongest. So I was like, okay, it might just be the youth. Right. But my aunt said it was the seventies. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, it was the seventies. And she's like a ballet, like dance, like she doesn't strike me as like a seventies hippie type of person. So I was like, what do you mean? And she said, everyone journaled. And I was like, what? She was like, everyone had a journal. Everyone was journaling. She was like, the conversations you would have with people on the street was incredible because the place that they were, how connected they were to their thought process, like the things that they were also therapeutically like working out, you know, she was like, it was incredible. Like it was all, she said it was a completely unique time to live in. And she remembered when that then 
stopped. And so I, I love I love hearing what you're describing and I, I want you to journal at the end. No. <laughs> That's a hard journey because as I said, it's like, don't judge yourself in writing. And if you can't come up with anything, write down, you can't come up with anything for three pages. Something will happen. So yeah, that's a good, good practice. Do you find, um, if, if we're allowed to peek and, and get insight into your journal, do you find that it's, um, is it thoughts in terms of like, like daily things, maybe people's discussion, or is it more largely philosophical thoughts or is it creative story writing or, you know, do, do you ever find a, a channel in which that journal will take you? For now, I'm on and off with these things, to be honest, but for now it's all over the place. You have to know that I never wrote a diary or journaled in any other way. It was always writing for a project for a client for something else it was never well in my youth i wrote short stories but it always had like a, it was always a creative endeavor and it always had a, a direction to go oh that's the story i want to tell that's the sound of voice i want to play with that's the character i want to describe for whatever reason i was always more playful in in talking like jamming telling stories whatever so right now my pages are all over the place sometimes i recollect the dreams i had if i had some um sometimes it's about projects that i'm working on and sometimes it's just an an inner checkup like what's going on with me where am i right now um to yeah but it always ends up in more clarity and I barely make it through the last page, to be honest, which sounds like I'm advertising for it way too much, but that's really what's happening. I can barely make it through the third page ever because I'm so, it starts me off so much. It's like a nitro injected pedal to the metal kickstart into your creativity each and every morning I do it. I don't do it every morning, but it's like, wow. I can't wait to finish that freaking third page because it's like, okay, that's what I want. Oh, that's a good, and that, okay, I have to get up and do things now. Yeah, so if cool. the pages themselves are merely a tool for me, but um, they really work. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, turn the page of our conversation because we have to talk about the sweet spot, at least in your career right now, because as you just said, you recently founded Lilac Records, which, if you hear it for the first time, might sound like a music production studio but it's so much more sam what's yeah. like records so yeah um this was one of those inner voice decision making moments right um it's an it's an llc which is like um i think everyone would know what that is but um i remember when i came to la it was like this thing of what am i gonna do mm -hmm. you know and i was open to acting modeling I did comedy, I did improv, I did all these different things. And at some point I was like, okay, I do need to found some sort of LLC or something to set the the path of, of this creative process. You know, I did short films, I wrote a script, I did all these different things. Um, but I didn't really quite know what the sweet spot was. Can you pinpoint out what the LLC did for you? Because that's just a legal thing, right? That's just like a, a piece of paper. Yeah, it's... It's a, it's a legal thing. It's also like, I kept having the conversation of like, do I need to create a legal entity for 
me as a person, right? Do I need to create a legal entity? You know, so it's like, where are you doing contracts? How are you, how are you, uh, financing projects where are you putting let's say expenses and things like yes. so when you you know build your studio or you, you do all this stuff it's like where are you where are you putting it all together and um and i was very gentle and uh gracious and slow with the process because i was like i don't know what it's gonna be and i don't know what this looks like and, and i didn't have any preconceived notion of what that should be mm. and um and then literally one day in July, I literally was sitting at home and I didn't have anything to do that day for whatever reason. And I woke up and I was like, what am I going to do today? And I was like, today I'm going to found Lilac Records. And I didn't even have the name for it until that moment. And I was like, wow. Oh. And so I didn't know what to do. And I was like, I, I was like, well, I haven't really done any research. I don't know any of this. And I was like, I don't even know what it's going to be. And I was like, all right, let's figure it out. And so the point was like, in that decision-making following the inner voice, right? Uh, if I had tried to approach this, let's say a year earlier, it would have been so difficult. It would have taken me weeks or months of like agonizing pain, right? Of just like, well, I should do this and da -da 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 and whatever. And this is so normal, blah, 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 whatever, you know, that, that whole process. But in that moment, it was like, I just woke up and was like, okay, today we're going to do this. And I was like, okay done in three hours, you know, like just sat down, did it. And I was like, Oh, I, I have all the things I need to do. Everything's good. I made an appointment at the bank. Okay. Got it all set up. Great. And so then I, I had it and I was like, well, what is it really? You know? Cause I was like, I, I do have an affinity towards music and production, but one of the things that I learned quite honestly in the, in, in the fall of 2021, when I wasn't able to really be in that music creation space i was like well there's all these other things that are coming out and there's all these other ways that i'm being connected to people and i was like this creative canon is expansive so what does this look like so it was like okay we have to now address all of these different things so all of a sudden it, it existed before it was even really clear what it became and then now it's clear that it is a record of this moment in time. It is a collection of artists who are, it's, it's nonlinear. It's artists who are poets, but they're also visual artists, but they're also musicians. It is, it is an expression and, an, and, a, and a really a global collaborative community. And, you know, the only thing that's kind of the main tying thing together is that the artists and the things that they create it comes from a place of love and wholesome goodness. And it's not to say that it's all expressed the same way. The messages are, are unique and they're different. The styles are completely unique and as they should be. Um, but it's that process and that, that heart space that it comes from is maybe the, the underlying thing that is, is united. And I would love completely, honestly, and genuinely anyone that's listening if if you are an artist that either feels called to that and feels connected to that, maybe you also feel like, hey, I'm looking in the world and I'm not resonating with a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing. I'm not resonating with a lot of the music that I'm hearing on the radio. Um, there's a sense of sadness with where we're at, maybe musically and artistically in the world. Um, 
write me talk to me let's like have a conversation because the whole point of lilac records is just to put all of those artists that are in these little pockets that feel like going back to what we said earlier feeling alone it's like wait a minute we're not alone we exist all over and we are multifaceted we are we are creative we are collaborative and where's this place that we can share and grow from that organically what a beautiful pitch so if anyone listens to that and wants to get in touch i'll put your address or contact info in the show notes so yeah if something strikes you about this text them she'll be up for it please you know please. what you just described i love that because something was building up over a certain amount of time and there's a german saying for that maybe you can help me translate this because i don't know the english term for it in germany you say uh, the knot pops You know, if you tie a knot and it, there's too much pressure on it after time and it just pops open, how would you say that? <laughs> the knot pops, yeah. like, on a, like on a shoelace? Yeah, more like a mental knot. You can say, I have a knot in my brain. Ich habe einen Knoten im Hirn. And you can say, um, der Knoten ist geplatzt. If finally something resolves itself, either because there's too much pressure, there goes a lot of thought in it and you're stuck with something or you postponing something mm. and all of a sudden pop and it just resolves itself. That's what it sounded like with the LLC. That's, yeah. I know that. Sometimes you just I have to that. sit on it until the pressure builds up and then you phew, rocket launch style. You just, you could just make it and it happened in one or two days. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's cool. I, I don't, I, it's funny. I don't know that expression, but yeah, it's, yeah. When the knot pops. Yeah. Let, I would say let's that. Let's yeah. pop the knot. <laughs> We just created a new word. English new expression. expression. <laughs> Perfect. So, okay. Lilac records, a record of this moment in time. I love that. I don't know if it's your slogan. It should be. It's perfect. Um, so what's the, do you have a vision for that? I mean, I, I, I get that it's a lot of things that happen as you do them and it's more of a creative collective experience and all of that but if you found something like that especially if it you tie it into an llc um what's your creative and entrepreneurial vision for lilac records part of the journey that i'm quite honestly experimenting with is the vision and releasing right the vision and the releasing because it's like i don't want to go down the path of being so stuck and linear in this one thing, I'm allowing it to grow and evolve and change. But the general concept is, you know, I would love for Lilac Records to be really a global home for, for not only artists, but also people who are just trying to connect and make sense. You know what I mean? For for a place of elevated consciousness of, of, of genuine exchange. Like I feel like so much of internet and social media and all this stuff, it just becomes like fire, like emojis and like very like, like hearting this. And, and it's very like, you know, we we're posting all of this stuff too, like uh, musically, right. People, uh, they, they'll have, a million streams or something on Spotify, but you don't actually earn a lot of money from it. Like we're becoming so disconnected from the valuing and appreciation of art. So my hope is in a big picture, right? Is that through this, there's that artists don't become this like anonymous TikTok artist that's in the background. Right. And that you're just like, Oh, here's this funny guy doing this funny thing. Right. It's like, 
no, I'm connected to this artist and their journey. So each of the artists on Lilac Records, including Tadeo Sus, are featured and it is expansive and expressive in all the layers of mm-hmm. their person. Mm-hmm. And so it's us, it's creating a connection to the depth of the artist. And it's saying that this artist isn't just this one thing that they can be expressive in different things. So, you know, for now, uh, anybody looking at the website, there's a mixture of, of some of the artwork and some of the concepts um, from myself as well as other artists. But the goal is for it to eventually really feature not specifically just Sam Stokes stuff. Like that's just mm-hmm. a portion of mm-hmm. it, but ideally I, I would love for it to grow that it's mostly featuring other artists, that it's mostly just a place to just say, how do I describe this? Like musically, there are some songs that hit you so hard that you literally have to pull your car over while you're driving because you're like, oh my God, this like, this this song changes my core of my being, right? And we can experience that with visual artwork. We can experience that with poetry. We can experience that with all sorts of things. But I feel like we have in a way been disconnected from that frequency of artistry. You know, a lot of the art and stuff that has come out lately and music that's come out, it's very like, my boyfriend cheated this, my girl did this, I'm going to get him back, I'm going to get revenge, I'm going to look at my yacht. It's very like, uh, like, Hell yeah. like very ego. Yeah. That's all it is. It's very egocentric. It's very, and it's like you come away from it and you, and it might be like a, you know, a banger vibe. You're like, cool, this is gravy. But you're like, did this impact my life? No, not really, you know? Um, but there are little pockets of that happening. So the whole concept is to just bring that all together and say, hey, all of this is happening globally, right? Mark was describing the other day some of the stuff that he's been doing in his community in Hamburg. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, we're, I don't want to share things, you know, but he was sure. like, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing, you know, these um well, you say it. I don't want to say it for you. What are you doing in Hamburg? What's the creative community uh, experiencing and, and expressing within your within your group in Hamburg? Well, if you're referring to the idea of a creative collective, if that's what you're talking about, yeah. that's my decision as founder of what we call Studio to be a design and media company and help people purpose-driven to find their story. And then if that's what I can do, um, then I need people that help me share that story. So I don't like to employ them or I don't like to contract them or whatever. It's more like a thought of a collective. Everyone is an amazing specialist in his or her field. And whenever a calling comes like a superhero team, you assemble and save another brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's the that's the idea. And also in terms of the more entrepreneurial side of it is that for the clients, you don't have to pay all this crazy agency overhead. It's like, oh, I want to talk to the founder or creative director or whatever, but I have to go through all these PMs and, and uh, consultants and I will have the, the intern do the actual layout and all that stuff. And you got to pay for all that overhead. So it's just like more cut to the bone and really get to work. And that's what I would like to do. I love that. Connecting to exactly that thought. Mark was sharing this and then talking about also the like 
art gallery creative spaces having that shared community that oh, shared yeah. collective space and what hit me and like left me a little speechless in the moment was just the realization of like like that inner voice right it is that collective consciousness it is happening in pockets and unlike revolutions whatever you want to call it a renaissance was the word i heard recently this is the first time that we have this as we're doing right now this digital global interconnectivity mm -hmm. before these pockets were really kind of isolated to where you could walk on foot yep. Yep. um or where you could travel with a plane or something but now it's like oh wait we're connecting this same stream of consciousness but we have a way to do it quickly right digitally globally um and to see it reflected and mirrored in different communities um so i think that's kind of the 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 overarching goal of capturing the moment in time it's a record of this moment in time and being that expressed throughout all of the artwork featured and all of the artists featured on lilac records i love the vision and i love the the whole idea of lilac records i want to investigate more how you feel about this because i think for you it's a big shift and it's a different responsibility just the other day i had a talk with johann könig who is the probably the most famous german gallerist and i talked to him about the process of curating artworks and artists and what's the reason for him to approach them what he's looking for in terms of vision of the artist and purpose and the quality of the artwork and you also just talked about the frequency of artists and artworks so if you have to pick people to collaborate or bring together or invite into the lilac record space what are you looking for because i'm pretty sure you're not gonna have the money fame bling bling tiktok influencers on your on your platform Is it a very emotional thing? Does it do you draw from the unconscious part of your decision making, or how do you do pick artists or people to collaborate with? At the end of the day, it's like a lot of it has to do with like why is the artist creating? Like why are they called to creating? Right? Why mm -hmm. are they called to like what's their intention? What's their purpose? You know? So like a lot of artists, and you experience this maybe more in LA, but I think it's you experience it a lot of places. A lot of a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be a singer because I want to be rich and famous. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. You know, like if that's, if that's your intention, like you'll make more money being a realtor, go be a realtor. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you can still buy a fancy car and you can still get Botox and you'll sell more houses, but like <laughs> get out of like the creative artistic expression. Right. Yeah. So I think it's like when working with artists, it, it goes back to, I think that same that same heart space that I was talking about, you know, seven years ago when, when we met and I was talking to the, to the bosses, it's like, are you being called to do this? Like, are you, what, where are you coming at this honestly and authentically? Like, why are you being called to do this? And a lot of it's like, what's your process like? How, and I, and it's not, you know, the artists and, and things that are featured on Lilac Records, it's not about like anyone, anyone um saying the correct answers right we can all we can all schmooze our way into any job interview right we know what the people want it's like we can all say the correct answers mm -hmm. but it's like all of the artists who are featured on lilac records right they're just them they're just completely themselves they are completely authentically themselves and it's not to say that you know all of us are on our journeys we're all 
learning our lessons. We're all piecing things together. But um, Lilac Records is an honest expression of of what we're experiencing today. So for anybody, you know, that's interested and, and wants to, um, wants to connect, like, I, I want to know you, I want to connect to you. I want to know what you're feeling, where you're at. I want to know what, what calls you to your artistry. And, and I also, it doesn't matter. There's a lot of things where it's like, a lot of us don't know the answers to things. So let's just say, I don't know. You know, I think we have this weird like culture where we're like, oh, I have to say I know everything. So we go into these interviews and we get really good at bullshitting and we get really good at yes. making up all sorts of schmoozing answers. And it's like, I, you know, like I completely love and some of the artists genuinely featured on Lilac Records are like, I don't know my reason for doing this. I'm just doing it, but I don't know why I'm doing it. That's great. Fantastic. Cool. Okay. We're figuring it out. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just you being you, you creating what comes through you. Like, I just want to get to know you. I want to get to know your expression. I want to get to know your artwork. It, you, you are in no way like any of the artists featured I don't ask anyone to make anything to fit any mold. You know, I even had like one of my artist friends, she, she was sending me um, like an image. Cause I have these also like epiphanies and these quotes and these, you know, moments. And she sent me something that was kind of in the style of how I made it. And I was like, ew, this is gross. No, don't send me how I would make. I'm like, ew, I hate this. And I was like, no, make this you. And she yeah. was like, but this is how, and I was like, no, that's gross. I hate that. Like, I don't like what I, like, I'm not, a, I'm like, I'm a placeholder. Don't, don't, no, 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 we're not doing this. I was like, you make this, that's your brand for your website, your artistry, your Instagram, your whatever, like your form of expression is totally you. I was like, the minute that anybody's trying to mold or fit what, I, no, that's not what it's about. And it's funny because it's not a typical like branding and design look, right? Because every single thing looks totally different, but it's not supposed to look the same. You know, it's not supposed to feel the same. It's not the wording is it, no one's supposed to write the poetry the way that I receive it. Cause that's what I receive, you yeah. know? So each, yeah. each artist is themselves. Keeping it real girl. I like it. No corporate tone of voice. And also what I appreciate is you're addressing this as you did before a kind of a toxic belief system when it comes to creativity or creative work because also due to the change in media consumption and shortening things down and putting it into highlight reels of your own life or your alter ego it looks like art happens on only big stages shiny gallery openings um, with big contracts and all of that and the beautiful dirty tiny struggling nights and days and years they kind of get worn out or washed out of the whole narrative and that's well if you can't sign up for that you will never sign up for the for the big opening night so and i love that that's is part of that's the dna of your of your company or lilac records yeah i only have two more questions left the same two questions sure. that i ask all of my guests so Ooh. It's, you can answer them fairly quick if you want. Okay, on top. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I always ask this all of my guests because I love 
to make a little collection of the answers. I'm interested, we talked about our inspirations today a lot, like big idols, two books, two creative practices. But is there something that you are watching, reading, contemplating about right now, this moment, these days, these weeks that you want to share with us? Is there something that inspires you and you can recommend to us? Yeah, I just finished last night uh, rereading um, the Hammond Hesse book, Siddhartha, because oh, I actually classic. learned German at the Hammond Hesse College in Hoab am Neckar. Um, and I, it's a very popular book, uh, I think globally, but in America it's taught in our schools and, um, and I hadn't read it in like 10 years. So something said, Hey, let's, let's reread that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's totally universal. It's a great read. It's in one of those, it's a short read. It's like 120 pages, 130 pages. And it's a great, um, it completely ties into the conversation of the inner journey because Siddhartha's whole concept is to find his own inner voice. He's like, I don't want to be a Buddhist. I don't want to follow Buddha. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. He was like, I want to follow my own journey and, and the path that that leads him on. So um, I forgot that that's what it was about, but it was perfect timing. Um, I will put a link to the book in the show notes. That's cool. So Sam, yeah. now it's uh, stage time. Is there any release coming up? Are you looking for people? It's your stage. You can you can tell people what's going on in your life and in your Lilac Record company and what's up and coming. Yeah, so we're, you know, the next few weeks, probably by the end of January, the website's going to be going live. And, you know, the goal for the whole concept of Lilac Records is it is ever-changing. Uh, in a month, ideally, it looks completely different, you know, so please, if you're hearing this, if if anything that I've said or anything that Mark and I have talked about today, if it feels like it connects to you, you know, um, let's bring, you know, the, 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 the concept that I hear a lot is like, let's let the good energy rise, you know what I mean? Let's bring, you know, connective, authentic artistry back to the forefront of, of, of where we're at. So, um, I want to, I want to hear from you. I want to talk to you. Like there's no bullshit. There's no games. Like, let's just connect genuinely. Um, and let's just talk about artistry in this world and, and where we're going with things. So I would love to hear from you. I would love to expand. I would love to, to grow all of this together. Um, and yeah, there's going to be, I have three albums that I'm working on at the moment. One is my solo project. One is a collaborative project with my dear friend, Casey Abrams. Um, and then one is a collaborative project with my dear friend, Emma Loon. So those three albums are coming out probably earlier in the beginning of this year. It's been a funny time for musicians with touring and releases and all mm -hmm. of that. So there's a lot of planning, replanning, planning, unplanning, planning, ring planning, you know. Um, but we're going with the flow and um, yeah, just... Let's just let's just put some good light in the world. You know, that's that's what Lilac Records is about. And let's connect. And so I, I wanna I wanna share with you, but I also wanna hear from you. So please, you know, feel free to reach out and um yeah, let's just let's do good things. What a wonderful note to end on. Sam, thank you so much for this talk. It was a pleasure having you on the show. I would love to have you back one day. I think there's so much more to talk about. Good luck with your releases. And um, I hope a lot of people get in touch with you and Lilac Records. 
Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on the show. So excited. Uh, even though we could have done the whole thing in German, it's fun that we're all in English now. So this is perfect. <laughs> this is so cool. Thank you so much. Anytime. Then I say Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. That was my chat with my dear friend Sam Stokes. I hope you enjoyed it and got some inspiration and the guts to follow and pursue your own creative dreams. I like the idea of capturing a moment in time. What would yours look like? What would you capture and why would you capture it? Food for thought for this week. Next week, I'll be back with legendary German designer and artist Eike König. He's the founder of Berlin-based design studio Haut and renowned artist blurring the lines between art and design. That's it for this week. People, take care and I'll hear you on the sweet side. This podcast is produced by Sweet Spot Studio. New episodes each week, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating and subscribe to never miss an episode. Find out more at sweetspot-studio.com.